You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, we have finally made it. Like I can see, I see the light. I see it at the end of the tunnel. I, at one point during spring training, was convinced this would never get here. I thought time was standing still. I think last year's shortened spring has me like so confused this year, thinking that this is endless. And we would actually like just talking about this with Shane Bieber. I want to say it was yesterday. Every day blends together. Um, So that would be Sunday. Um, And he was even saying like, this has felt like a long spring. I think that everyone has an itch more than what we usually do. And not saying that the itch is never really there, but like everyone is dying for opening day. And so the fact that we're here, I am so excited. I know, I can't wait. And it's going to be such a great opening day. I'm speaking of Bieber and many others. Uh, there are gonna be eight Cy Youngs on the bump on opening day. Eight guys who have won at least one Cy Young. We've only had one opening day where there were more Cy Young winners to pitch. And the other thing that's really fun, maybe it's on my mind because uh, on the East Coast right now it is pouring rain. But uh, for the, uh, I'm trying to think how many times. I want to say going back to 2018 minus the pandemic year and maybe last year. Uh, We've had every team scheduled to play on opening day and rain has intervened at least one game. So we have not seen all 30 teams all play on opening day since 1968. If the weather holds up, we will finally get that for the first time since then. We'll see. I'm not checking the forecast for New York or any other open air uh, East Coast city. I'm just going to assume bright sunshine, but would be fine either way. But regardless, it's going to be so much fun to see all of these games. They're all going to matter. I'm excited for the ESPN matchup with the uh, reigning World Series champs, the Astros facing off against the White Sox, which means Jose Abreu faces his former team in his first ever game as an Astro facing the White Sox. And I probably shouldn't keep listing every single matchup on why I'm excited about it because that's not what we planned for today. But uh, FYI, that's all happening too. I mean... I think you sort of touched on it in uh, saying that that like everyone's excited for it because this is the only time of year where every team is still in it. And it just seems I get it. I, I understand that maybe Nationals fans, Rockies fans, Reds fans. OK, they might have a different outlook on this season going into the year. I understand. But it's the one day where everyone is just equally excited about seeing what their team is going to do see if you know everyone's tied everyone is starting uh brand new 
and a new season could bring on so many different things. If once we get into May, then everyone can be jaded. Sure, let's get into that. That's fine. But this, this is the time of year wherever it's so great. So uh, I, I know we went, what, division by division over the last six weeks or so. We had all of our friends, colleagues come on and join us and, and try to help solve who's going to finish where, what all these teams are doing behind the scenes, what everything looks like in camp. Apparently, we did all of that just to prep ourselves for this episode I'm, uh, and just get into our division by division look, our guesses of how this is all going to shake out. And we can just, as much as we talk about hating predictions, just predict as much as we can this week. Let's do it. So I want us to go uh, backwards again. So let's do um, let's do starting with the NL West and then kind of work up the standings page. So I'm trying to think of the best possible way for us to talk through all of these and not give everyone a three-hour-long podcast. So I think I'll give you my NL West prediction. You tell me if you agree or not. We'll go back and forth. And yes, everyone, this is uh, how the sausage gets made live because <laughs> this is what we are doing today. I am so excited, by the way, for us to do this podcast during the season for the whole year because we only popped in partway through the year last year. And I say this now because we're going to have days where I was up until 3 or 4 a.m. and Mandy is on the road somewhere. We're going to sound just as haphazard and it's going to be perfect and I love it. So I'm just mentioning that. Now, also biding my time because I still don't know who my official official pick is for the Animal West. But I think for the purposes here, I am going to go with the Padres. Now, we talked with Juan about how the Dodgers are the champion until proven otherwise. But I really think the Padres are a slightly more well-rounded team at this point. Slang's coming in hot. All right. (laughs) Well, okay. I want, let, let me put it this way. I want to say the Padres. I want something different. I love Fair. entertainment. I love things that are different. But I'm going to go to the Dodgers. <laughs> like, I want to say Padres because I think that would make things so fun this year. I think that would make um, – it's just you don't want to keep seeing the same team. It's like always Dodgers for sure, Astros for sure. It's just like, all right, well, let's mix this up. And so I, I, I want Padres, but I think my gut keeps telling me that the Dodgers are going to do it again. I hope you're right, though. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, Central, the NL Central. This is one we talked about with Adam McKelvey. And, uh, you know, I think we talked about how the projections like the Brewers, but most kind of uh, people out there making picks or taking the Cardinals. I am in that boat. I think the Brewers will be better than maybe people are expecting. Pitching a heavy team, that's a really good place to be. And as we talked about with Adam, their offense was a lot better than people realized last year. But man, I am all in on Jordan Walker. And the fact that this 20-year-old is going to be starting on opening day for the Cardinals, they have not had a guy start debut at that young in a really long time. I like that face, so I like the juju there. And, I mean, Jack Flaherty, 
I'm expecting a big year coming back from injury and difficulties. He can really help carry that. I mean, I don't know, and I'm not going to get into detail on this because I'm sure this is going to be what you bring up at the end of the episode, but I don't know if that video that was just out there of Jordan Walker included in that video, I won't give the specifics of that video. I don't know if that angle was just really weird, but that is that no, that is not him. that is not some 20 year old. I, I'm telling you, that's that's a man child like he is enormous. And as you were saying that, like, I just wanted to look up and see what his height and weight six, five to 20. I'm not buying that. That man is bigger from that. I mean, that's huge in general, whatever. But God, he was an enormous person because of that. I, I, I think the hype around Jordan Walker is going to be fun. I love all of this. You see it with the Yankees as well right now with all these young guys coming in. Um, I'm, on the, I'm on the St. Louis Cardinals bandwagon as well. I, I, I know that the Brewers are going to be um, – they're going to be a good team. There's no, I mean, they're going to be a good team. There's going to be a handful of good teams. But uh, I, I'm putting my money in the, the Jordan Wa- Walker St. Louis Cardinals basket here. And, you know, we'll get to awards later by – Last year, we finally saw Paul Goldschmidt win the MVP that we had known he had deserved and played like for a very long time, right? Going back to his days in Arizona. I wonder if this year, Nolan Arenado could take that kind of torch and be the guy also on the Cardinals to finally win MVP after he's been in those discussions for practically his whole career. All right, so we go to the NL East now. Yeah, this is the toughest one for me. I was literally just on uh, A's cast with uh, Chris Townsend, and I was talking about how you and I were going to be doing this about 20 minutes later, and I had no idea what to pick. I mean, I gave picks to Buster Olney for the Baseball Night podcast, and in that, I did pick the Braves. Uh, based on the wins toll I gave, I gave them the highest wins toll. But I think these teams are really interesting because the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies, as we discussed with Anthony Tacoma last week, all of these teams are sort of not in the exact spot they expected to be. The Mets are down Edwin Diaz. The Phillies are now down Reese Hoskins, which I believe happened after we recorded, actually. And the Braves had this shortstop battle in spring training between Brendan Shoemake and Von Grissom. Ended up deciding neither of them won, <laughs> and Orlando Urcia is their shortstop. So they're all in spots a little bit different than they expected to be. But they're also all really good teams. I mean, I could put together a great statistical argument for any of these teams. But I do think right now, this moment in time, while we're recording, I will stink to my Braves prediction, kind of for the reason you took the Dodgers, that which is they've done this before we've seen them so until improvement otherwise and again Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to have a monster season and that's going to be a big part of why they are really good it shouldn't surprise you then uh, because I already did this with the Dodgers but I I sort of have the same approach of (laughs) if it's not broken don't fix it um the Braves have done it before. They can do it again. I think this would be a different conversation if Edwin Diaz was still in the picture. Um, 
for start to finish. If we're going into this year thinking that he's going to be that closer all year long, just to, to see what he did last season, just win in eight innings and then it's over. Like as long as you're ahead and going into the ninth, it's basically done when you hand the ball off to him. And so um, to me, I think that's a really big difference maker. Um, and it seems like like it's sort of like in the AL Central, and I know we'll get there every year. They always say it's the White Sox year. Feels the same with the Mets. Like they keep adding these guys. They keep going out and buying more and spending more. And you see Justin Verlander now. You see these different things, and it's like, okay, this has to be the year. And I don't know. This just seems like the oh boy, here here go the Mets again. Like it feels like it's that type of a start again. And you have this weird cloud over the team, which they can't they can't get rid of. It seems. And so as much as I want to say Mets. And for the sake of a very sad Alana, who's now looking at us on our podcast, uh, <laughs> a little Zoom room here. Um, but I, I just I think I want to go Braves because I think that that's the difference maker for me. Although I still think that this is going to be a three team race to the end. But I'm going with Atlanta for this one. Yeah. And I mean, just to uh, talk about the Phillies a little bit, too. Even without Reese Hoskins, you can absolutely make an argument that that team wins the division, even mm-hmm. if Bryce Harper doesn't play until July 1 or July 15th or what have you. I mean, first of all, Trey Turner, you know. Trey Turner, Mr. America, Captain mm-hmm. America, whatever he is at this point. <laughs> Not to mention the pitching. I mean, my mom was texting me the other day, and she was like, why is it Nola on opening day instead of Wheeler? And I said, yeah, Nola's the homegrown guy. He's made five straight opening day starts, but that's a really good problem to have. Like the Mets have with uh, Verlander and Scherzer, where it's like you have two really, really good options for opening day. So again, just to give the Phillies some love, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if they came out and won this instead. All right, AL. AL is up. Let's now start west to east of, for uh, the American League as well. What do you have on the AL West links? Well, I mean, I think this is probably the easiest, is it? Yeah, I think it's the easiest pick. Maybe this in the AL East, but it's going to be, I think, the Astros. Even without Justin Berlander, they have this entirely homegrown pitching staff, and it's still going to be really good. You could argue it might be even better without an aging Berlander. He just won Cy Young, so it's not the best argument, but you could certainly say it. And Jeremy Pena, I think the Jeremy Pena that we saw in the postseason is who he is. He's going to be a superstar. He showed us that, and now he'll show it in the regular season as well. I know I mentioned Jose Abreu a couple minutes ago. I like that addition. I think that's a good upgrade for them. He's just a very consistent player who has aged really well. He'll be really good for them. We love Kyle Tucker, kind of a stack darling, who I know a lot of people are expecting to really become a superstar this year. So, I mean, again, uh, the Mariners are going to be really good. I know Pakoda has the Angels ahead of the Mariners. I have the Mariners ahead of the Angels, and I have them in the postseason with the wild card, but I think this is an Astro slam dunk. 
I think it's an Astros slam dunk too. Uh, like I sort of alluded to before, it always seems like it's the same teams, whether it's the Dodgers or the Astros, and they keep coming back. I think the Astros just seem like they lock it up every single year. And like you said with Jose Abreu, in coming from the AL Central, I've seen that bat plenty of times, and I know how much damage it can do. Um, we obviously saw it in 2020 as well. In that shortened season, he really ran away with the just being absolutely dominant, I guess, um, that entire 60-game season. It's really, I think he's going to be a boost to this lineup. As much as my heart always wants to say that somehow, some way, that the Angels, with two of the most exciting players in baseball, can finally figure it out and win games and get to the postseason and allow Shohei Otani and Mike Trout to take center stage, I don't see it happening. And like you, I would put them below the Mariners as well. I know this is so a riveting conversation when all we do is agree. But um, I think Julio Rod- Rodriguez and the Mariners, I think that's an exciting team. I think Julio is just an incredible player. I think he can be an enormous leader. We saw it last year. He gets them into the postseason through a wild card spot. I agree. I agree on all of it. And I think the Astros are going to be the team that just sort of run away with that division again. Yeah, and now we move to the AL Central, which I think will come down to the final few days again. I do think, you know, we discussed with Do Young Park how uh, the White Sox will probably be better than last year. I still see a pretty big difference between the Twins and Guardians and then the White Sox. I think pitching-wise for both teams, uh, that Minnesota and Cleveland are ahead of the White Sox in that respect and just overall. So I am picking the Guardians to repeat here. I think it's going to be close. I think an injury could be what ends up determining this. But, you know, I've seen a lot of people this week talking about this week. It's Monday. But, yeah. Today, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> talking about Jose Ramirez, I think, you know, he gets another moment in the spotlight, maybe he gets more MVP love again this year, but I think, I mean, it's going to be a really fun division to watch, I don't have to tell you, you're going to be right there watching it all play out, but I love the idea of dueling MVP seasons between Carlos Correa and Jose Ramirez. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, Guardians and Twins, for me, are above the White Sox. I I know we always look at the White Sox. Are are they going to figure it out? Are they going to have it? To me, it's just like my gut says for now to stick with the Guardians repeating. I think that that's the safe way to think at this point, prove that they can't do it. I think that's what needs to happen. But... I really, really think that if the Twins stay healthy, they're going to be the ones who win the the division. And I think the biggest reason why I stick with Cleveland is that they haven't proven that they can stay healthy. And we've seen it year after year where uh, they just have a laundry list on their their IL. It's just like, it's insane. And so um, if they can stay healthy, if Carlos Correa can be the guy they need him to be, I think that it's going to be tough to beat them for this division. I think they're a really, really good team. But I think that their history, their track record proves it might be difficult for them and they might be their own worst enemy at times. 
Um, and I think because of that, as long then as Cleveland can stay healthy, which right now at the time that we're recording this, I'm sitting here staring at my phone waiting for an update from Cleveland's medical staff to put out the results of Tristan McKenzie's MRI. So that's a big one going into the year of like, okay, are they going to have their, I, I almost can look at it as a 1A, 1B type of starter with Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, the way that McKenzie has pitched the last year or so. Um, if you're losing him to start the year, that's a big blow, and that's tough to overcome. And so I think there's a lot of moving parts here, but I'm going to stick with the Guardians. I like it. I think everything you said makes total sense. I really think with a division, they could end up the site. The injuries really can end up being the decider here, so we'll see. And speaking of injuries right now, we can move to the at least where I am less confident in the Yankees than I was maybe two weeks ago or a month ago. Just with the injuries to Carlos Rodon over the weekend, we learned of Luis Severino as well. Their starting rotation is not looking to start the year the way they would have wanted or expected. I still think they're far and away the best team in this division. First of all, they have Aaron Judge, who, until proven otherwise, has more 62 home runs hit, apparently. <laughs> and they have Giancarlo Sin, who, if he stays healthy, is a force to be reckoned with. We'll talk about Anthony Volpe later, I know, but he is 21 years old, and he's going to be their starting shortstop. He earned that job, and he's going to crush that. So... There's a lot to like, even with Harrison Bader being injured and the pitching injuries. I have the Blue Jays finishing second here, but it's the Yankees to me. Yep, Yankees for me. I think it's a slam dunk. Um, maybe not as much as the Astros, like I completely clear and clear cut because Yankees are very injury prone, as we just talked about with the Twins. But I, I don't know. I think you have Aaron Judge. You have, yeah, it just seems like a, all the things will, all the stars will align for this team. I, I think the Yankees are, are definitely, are definitely going to take the AL East. Do you have a World Series prediction? Oof. Um, oof. I can. <laughs> I don't know how confident I am in it. Um, I know for a fact that my jaw was on the floor when I read Bob Nightingale's prediction of the Guardians Phillies World Series and the Guardians winning. Um, I'd take that. Fine. I'd go on a long postseason. Sure. Let's go for it. I don't know if I believe it. Um, but uh, eh. so let's say, oh, I'd hate to just draw things up and it just be like, you know, the person who has all number one seeds in their final four of their March Madness bracket here. But I'm I'm going to go with the Yankees uh, for at least the AL team just because it just feels like it's that type of year. It feels like they're due. You have that same feeling of like, okay, this is the youngest type of guy uh, coming up to play shortstop since Derek Jeter. And like, you know, the, what, the Derek, what the Derek Jeter era brought to that team. And it's just like, I don't know. It just seems like that vibe's going that way. Aaron Judge was just named the captain. And like, it just seems like if you're sitting there looking at it right now in December and you're looking back, like, it's like someone should have just started to think about writing a book on this team right now and starting to get like the information ready to go. Um, 
So it just seems like if it has that Hollywood script type of ending to it, I don't know. That's that's where my brain goes. I don't know. I have a weird brain. So I'm going Yankees, and I am not going to go with the Subway Series. I can tell you that. I'm going to go with... Oh, man, I'm really going to go. You know what? I'm going to go with Yankees Padres, which is weird in my head because I said Dodgers, but I think the Padres might sneak in there with a wild card. And I think that it's going to be a team that has a major chip on its shoulder because it's so tired of living in the shadow of the Dodgers. It's sort of like the way the Guardians played last year of just like, please, someone look at us and give us the respect that we deserve. Obviously, they have much more respect than what the Guardians did heading into last year. Those are two different type of teams. Um, but I think that if everything can settle in the way that they're hoping it would, you have Juan Soto, you have these different pieces that they didn't have for a full season last year. Um, maybe this is a year that they can put it together. And you have this uh, Padres upset of like sneaking in as that wild card team and, and making the run to the end. So let's, let's do it right now. Yankees Padres. That was a lot of thinking out loud, but I got there. I like it. I was going to say that and say a 90s throwback, but I'll say something different for the sake of conversation. I think that, you know, we say this every year and that doesn't happen, but I would not be surprised if the Astros are finally that team that repeats for the first time since yeah. those 98 to 2000 Yankees. I think the fact that they kind of retooled from the inside in part just by the way their rotation is now structured. And again, we mentioned the Abreu ad, which is also, you know, an intangible that in a really good way. Again, I think Pena is a superstar. I could very much see it. I mean, Jose Altuve out for the beginning of the year with that injury suffering in the WBC, but he'll be back and he'll be great for them. So I could certainly see them doing this. I think they're really well set up to do so. And I almost wonder if we could get like a warriors cap situation where we get in the same matchup because I don't think the Phillies win the division. Again, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think so. But I do think they make the playoffs. And I think that Phillies team is set up to be even better than last year. And look how far they got. I mean, they didn't have Trey Turner. They will have a well-rested Bryce Harper because he won't play for whatever amount to begin the season. And he'll be raring to go. We know he was one of the first guys to commit to Team USA for the WBC, then had to drop out with his injury. I feel like all of that will be channeled into the Phillies for this year. So how about a little rematch? All right. I like that. Okay. All right. We need to think a little bit more. Clearly, I need to think a lot more because I just thought out loud throughout my whole process there. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we can get into more player-specific award predictions for the upcoming season. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, and that is Sarah Langs. And we're going to get into all of the player-specific awards. Sarah will start us off going through all the National League type of awards. I'll go through the American League predictions. I'm at least able to see the American League team. Sarah's crazy and watches every single team every single day and knows them all. So you know what? We could just have you do everything, but we won't make you do that. We'll just have you do the NL specific awards here. And let's start off. Let's just start off with Rookie of the Year. Do you have any early indications of where that could end up going? I mean, I think that what well, we've talked about Jordan Walker, and I'm sure he will be a popular pick. I'm going to go with Corbin Carroll, who we've talked about on this podcast. I believe we talked about toward the end of the year when he came up. I feel like we had a segment of like, hey, let's talk about the Dimebacks. I love the Dimebacks. He is a big reason why. Lot of speed, good defense. I mean, he was the fastest guy in baseball last year. I think with the new uh, disengagement rules and the larger bases, he could have a crazy type of stolen base number. And I think that might distinguish him. He also hit the ball well. There's room for improvement there, but. He's really fun and dynamic player, so I'm going to go with him. But I feel like a lot of people are going to go with Jordan Walker because we saw him get called up, and he's huge, and you can't miss him, and there's a lot of Aaron Judge comparison in body type and stature. And we saw him obviously win, but I'm going to go Corbin Carroll. Okay. How do you want to do this? Do you want to switch to the AL rookie yeah, or do you want to go not? through? Okay, let's start. Then we can switch it up to the AL rookie. I am looking, I mean, I know Gunnar Henderson is going to have as much attention on him as possible. When you look at MLB Pipeline, you look at their top 100 rankings, he's the name that's at the top of the list, of course. Like, that's going to be the person who gets a lot of attention this year. But I think I'm still going to go back to the guy we've already talked about already alluded to and probably will be talking about again I think it's hard to overlook and it's not really overlooking when he's ranked number five on the top 100 list um, Anthony Volpe and I think that he's going to be 
As much as these individual awards are so specific to just an individual performance, I really think it's hard to overlook if he performs at an elite level on one of the biggest stages of any type of sport, under the bright lights, Yankee Stadium, New York, that, that is not an easy environment to thrive in at all. Um, you saw Francisco Lindor leave Cleveland and go into New York, and that was even an experienced player and the, the difficulties that came with like adjusting to that environment. It's not easy. And so for a young guy to have the attention that he's going to have on him, being so young, having his name compared to Derek Jeter, a now Hall of Famer, constantly, that's not going to be easy. That's not going to be fun at times. And if he's able to play through all of that and play at an elite level, I think it's so hard to ignore that type of a stage. And so because of that, if he can have that good of a season, I think that he might just edge out Gunnar Henderson if he also has a great season. Um, but regardless, I think this is going to be a year where there's going to be a lot of fun rookies to pay attention to. But I think I'm going to go with Volpe. I like it. I like it. Now, I'll, uh, you know, we'll sneak drop this. So why don't you tell me who your pick is in the American League for Cy Young? Whew. Do I go with your guy or do I not go with your guy who you have as your, uh, what was it? Uh, you had it as your, the number one overall uh, pitcher again, Jacob deGrom. See a big question mark because can he stay healthy? And I think as much as I would love to go to the well and say he's back, he's going to stay healthy enough, even if he's not healthy all season, where he doesn't miss an, um, too much time that would make it a significant loss. As much as I would like to go with that, I just I need to see it before I can believe it. And so I think I'm going to go for a more of a fun pick here and say Shohei Otani is going to win his Cy Young. I think I'm going to go with the fact that, I mean, you saw him in the WBC amping it up and getting up to 102 miles an hour. And I'm like, what is this man? Well, he's not even man. He's not human. Whatever he is, he's some specimen that was placed on this earth to make baseball so much more fun than it already was. But I think it's going to be the year that he could, yes, be he could be in talks with MVP award. He could do all this stuff. But maybe he just gets that respect of what he is as a pitcher. And I know that it's always going to go back to hitting. Hitting is always more fun to watch. Home runs, long, especially the big blast that he hits. He'll get the respect that he gets as a pitcher. And Shohei Otani, I'm going for Cy Young. So if that happens, we will, I will be pointing out forever that he was my number two pitcher on MLB Network in our top 10 right now. Just behind Jacob DeGrom, it was, we said I was in rank number one, but this was kind of his last chance that if he's uh, out too much this year, then he might drop, but I had Otani number two, and I was very proud of that, so I love that you said that. Now in the National League, I think I'm going to go with someone on a team that I was saying I think is going to make a lot of noise, even if they don't win their division. But if they do, it will be because of this guy, and that's Aaron Nola. I feel like he has been a perpetual sort of fringe to actual Cy Young candidate. And if you look at what he's done, strikeouts and across the board, he is a really, really solid pitcher. Throws a lot of innings lately, which we saw 
I mean, Sandel Contra was amazing. He didn't win because of workload, but his workload helped him. And I could see the same happening with Aaron Nola. And I always tend to expect them. When I make predictions before the year, I always end up picking guys on teams I expect to be good. But then you have two years ago, where the top three in both MVPs were on non-playoff teams. You have last year with Sandy. So we'll see. But right now, I'm going to go with Nola in the uh, National League. Um, okay, if we're going to snake this, then I guess we're coming right back yeah. at you with this one. We'll, we'll go straight into NL MVP. So I think I'm going to go with the Ronald Acuna Jr. MVP here. I know I might be surprising, but I really think the new rules are going to be a big focal point this year. I'm expecting him to seal a ton of bases. We've talked about him as a 40-40 candidate. I think if any portion of that comes true, if he seals 40 bases and has 30 homers, he will be in that, in that discussion for sure. I think just watching him play in the Venezuelan Winter League over in the offseason and watching him play in the WBC, there's this look that Ronald Acuna Jr. gets where he has this absolute determination. And that isn't unique to him. Every player has that at some point. But I feel like I saw that look from him so many times over the last few months that you just have to believe he is bringing that into this year. I'm sure that, you know, everyone would have hoped that last year would have gone a bit better for him. But he was coming off a major surgery with his ACL. I'm sure he wanted to come back. And, you know, there's always the back and forth between being back there versus resting a bit more. But I think this is going to be the fully healthy Ronald Acuna Jr., who was well on his way to a potential MVP before getting hurt the year that the Braves went on to win it all in 2021. So I'm going to pick him. A lot of great candidates. Of course, Juan Soto is up there. I was thinking about him, but man, I mean... I wonder if anyone on the Padres, if they have the season we're expecting from them. I mean, you run into what they split the vote between him, Manny Machado, maybe Fernando Tatis Jr., depending what he does after his suspension. So, and Xander Bogarts, I mean, they're very deep. But I'm going with Roland Acuna Jr. What about you in the AL? If I'm okay, if my pick for Cy Young was Shohei Otani, then all he would need to do is just be like half decent this year as a hitter. And then it would be like, okay, if this dude's going to win the Cy Young and he's a decent hitter, why would he not be the MVP? But for the sake of mixing it up a little bit, I'll go with someone else because this dude's a unicorn. He's going to be in this like discussion every single year. He could make an argument every single year that he should win it, no, no matter what. But I think for me, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Jose Ramirez. And I think it, 
because it just seems like the stars are starting to align for him to finally get that award. He's always in the discussion. 2020, he came so close. We already talked about Jose Abreu winning it that year, but he came so close to winning it. It was down between Jose Abreu and Jose Ramirez. Um, He's always in that discussion. He's always getting votes, and he never quite does enough to get everyone fully on board to commit to him winning. And last year, he got off to that start where I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to be Judge and Jose Ramirez? Like his, his RBI total was insane. He was actually outpacing Aaron Judge at the beginning of the season. Um, but then he got hurt. He had that thumb injury. I remember in 2019, he had a hamate problem. Like there's been little things that he plays through most of the time, but it just hinders him a little bit more. So if he can stay healthy, I think he, one, can just alone have an incredible season. And I think this year is going to be the year that he has the lineup protection that he needs because they don't have, they don't have threats in their lineup, really, that like power threats. They always have guys like a Stephen Kwan or like an Andres Jimenez where it's like, yes, they can get on base. And like there's a threat to just have like a single, but it's not really like, okay, Last year, it was Josh Naylor, who was sort of boomer bust. Like, unless he was against the White Sox, then he was just absolutely destroying them. Um, they had Fran Reyes, who was a complete bust for them, did not perform the way that they thought he would. Um, and then they just tried to mix in, like, Oscar Gonzalez, who was a rookie trying to figure it all out. Like, it just wasn't that guy where they think, okay, pitchers think, I can't, I can't just dance around Jose because then I have to, because I then have to face so-and-so. And so-and-so this year is Josh Bell. And if he can be that threat for them, then they think, okay, Jose might see a little bit better pitching than what he's used to. If he sees better pitching, he has a healthy season, I think his numbers could be insane. And so it seems like it's like inevitable that this man is going to win at some point. And if he's going to win, it seems like the odds are the best for this year out of any other season he's gone into. So I think for that reason, I'm going with Jose Ramirez. I like it. I like it. And again, over the course of this very long week that has been one day, I've seen a lot of people say that. So, I mean, I agree. He is definitely one of those guys. You know, I mentioned Nolan Arnado earlier, even though he wasn't my pick. I mean, we could come up with a list of guys who are the inevitable MVP guys over the course of the last five years and the next five years moving forward. You know, unfortunately, not everyone will win one in their career, but I do think that Jose Ramirez has a really good shot. And again, these words are about numbers, but we know they also come down to narratives and perspectives. And I sort of wonder if the year that the Guardians had last year ends up helping him even more this year beyond the obvious numerical stuff with you know Josh Bell being that line of production protection my reasoning is that if the Guardians are good again no one will be surprised so it'll be okay yeah of course they're good and yes Jose Ramirez is really good I think that if he had continued that MVP pace last year even despite the fact that that other guy had 62 home runs, you know, it might have been overshadowed by, oh, wow, they're so young. Oh, look at Stephen Kwan. There are just so many narratives. So I think by cementing themselves as a good team, that may help him. I mean, I'm speculating on intangibles, but 
just thinking about it, I think that's part of why people are expecting this kind of year from him as well, because people are back to expecting Cleveland to be a force in that division. Okay, I think uh, I think it's time for us to uh, get into our favorite moments from baseball over the last week, because I think that there's been plenty that we've seen on social media. And I'm probably going to need to come up with another one because I think it's on the tip of your tongue. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, as always, we will get into our favorite moments from baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, and the wonderful Sarah Langs. And of course, on this segment, we have our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber, and she's going to be kicking us off here as we're getting into our favorite moments from baseball over the last week. Alana, do you have something that sticks out to you? I do. So, of course, it's almost opening day. So I feel like we only have so much longer to have like the fun quirky moments before there's actual real baseball things happening to talk about. So I'm actually just gonna tell you guys about a really cool baseball book I just finished um, called Deaf Players in Major League Baseball, all about the history of deaf players who played baseball. My mom got it for me for Hanukkah and it's really, <laughs> it's this amazing book um, that goes all the way back to the early 1800s and how the Illinois School for the Deaf just churned out all of these amazing players who played in the major leagues, goes into the stories of William Hoy and Luther Taylor, who played in the MLB apparently in the year 1901. The Giants in New York had three deaf pitchers in their rotation in one season, which is crazy. And then, you know, a player like Luther Taylor actually taught everyone on the team and the manager how to fingerspell, and everyone was fingerspelling during the games and confusing all the players on the other teams and even doing it after Luther Taylor left. And it goes all the way to Curtis Pride, who talks about how you know, in his first major league hit, he couldn't hear the stadium standing ovation, but he just felt this massive vibration. So it's this amazing book because it's not just about how there have been so many deaf players in baseball, but what they've brought to the sport, how they've contributed to the modern way we do signing, how they were able to use their deafness to their advantage and their abilities of being so good at detecting people's facial expressions and body languages that they always knew when a runner was about to steal. So it's this really amazing book. It's by R.A.R. Edwards. Um, everyone who likes baseball should read it. And it's just a really great tribute to show how, you know, having a disability does not prevent you from playing baseball. That's awesome. One, I just I think that's really cool. The, the idea of feeling the vibration of an ovation rather than being able to hear it. That's mind blowing to me. That's really cool. It's a really cool idea for a book. I love that. Yeah, it was super great. Definitely recommend it. Okay. All right, Sarah, go ahead and try uh, come up with a couple other ones than the ones that we know we're going to be talking about. No, I mean, we know we're going to talk about those. If you don't know what we're referring to, we're referring to all the videos of guys getting called up and the fact that these teams got uh, cameras 
hidden in Mandrew's offices. We got ones for a handful of players, but I'm going to let Mandy do those, and I'm going to actually take a different one. Okay. And mine is, you're going to be listening to this podcast from us on Tuesday, March 28th. So the thing that I talked about will have already happened. So you will hopefully go on and Google and figure out exactly what happened in it. But tonight, March 27th, the Giants are giving reliever Sergio Romo a send-off in the Bay Bridge series. So he was, of course, on the World Series winning teams. And uh, he had been out of baseball. And I remember because this was, I believe, when I landed in Miami during the WBC. I'm checking my phone. And I see that Sergio Romo just signed with the Giants again. What they did was they didn't have a 40-man roster spot for him. But they signed him so that he could pitch at Oracle Park one last time. He is a fan favorite. My grandmother, who was a huge Giants fan, loved him. If you don't know about Sergio Romo, he is one of these guys who really proves that anyone can play baseball. He is smaller in stature, never threw harder than like 92 miles an hour. And by the way, he got Miguel Cabrera to strike out to end a sweep in the 2012 World Series. And as I saw someone refer to it as one of the most shocking pitches in baseball history. And he was just an icon of that team. He was on the 2014 team as well. He ended up pitching for a couple other teams later in his career. He was actually the first guy to be used as an opener by the Tampa Bay Rays when they started that back in whatever it was, 2018, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But fun fact, trivia. But (laughs) he is just a Giants icon. And he will be pinning for the final time in his career and in a Giants uniform. About an hour after we record this, well, he's not starting, but in the game that starts in about an hour. And I went through my email and I had all of these emails from my grandmother talking about how much she loves Sergio Romo. So... My moment is just the Giants giving a really good send-off to a beloved franchise icon. Well, that, that's awesome. And yes, I need to get into what we obviously knew was going to be a moment from this week. Two moments, specifically. The teams that have, whatever they're hiding, the kid, little hidden camera, however they're doing it in the manager's office, to get these big news updates, whether we've seen it in the past, whenever it's in a triple A office or a double A office, when a guy's getting a call up to the big leagues and you get to see the uh, true raw emotion whenever it, he first learns the news. Whoever came up with this idea, one is a genius because this is great social media content. They did it again this year. You saw Jordan Walker and you saw Anthony Volpe. You saw both of them get the news right away that they're going to be breaking camp with their respective big league teams. Um, I think Aaron Boone maybe scared Volpe a little bit more than what Jordan Walker. Walker's was like this really nice, like you killed it in camp, you did great, and everything was building up, and it started to feel like, oh my gosh, he's about to get the news that he made it. 
Um, and you could tell that he was sitting there on the edge of his seat, just like waiting to just hear it for sure before he like got up and you saw how enormous of a human being he is and, you know, hugs his manager and all that type of stuff. But Boone threw him off a little bit more and gave it the, that talk of like, okay, this is that tough time of year. You're young. You've only had X number of games in AAA. So like whatever. And then they tell him that it's best for him to be able to continue his development up at the big leagues. Um, and then I think it was the funniest when Boone goes over and hugs him and he's like, did I, did I get you? Like, like it was like trying to check and make sure that it worked. And, um, he said that his heart was racing or whatever it was. It was, it was just, it's cool to be able to see that moment of pure elation in, in a player's face of like, it's a mix of emotions. Actually. It's like relief. It's excitement. It's uh, angst like of like, okay, I need to go tell my family and I need to figure out how I'm going to handle all of this. And just to see that raw emotion right away is so cool. It, you, it's something they've obviously been working for, for their whole lives and to be able to be like a fly on the wall for that moment that they finally get to see that they're living out their dreams is so great so i'm glad that their social media teams were able to put this together and, and allow all of us to get a peek inside of those meetings i love that it's like status quo at this point i mean the brewers put out a two today for um Gus Berlin and Bryce Terang, who also made their teams maybe not as big of names or expectations as Walker and Volpe, but still really cool to see. The Pirates did one when they named Mitch Keller the opening day starter. So it was just so easy to hide a camera and get this life-changing moment, but I love it. And I think I've said this before, but... I always think back to the first time I ever remember seeing a moment like this, and you can look it up on YouTube, because I know I watched it recently, like within the last year, was when the Giants won the World Series in 2010. Showtime did a sort of hard knock style um, show of them in 2011. Hey, followed the reigning champs. You got behind the scenes moment. And I watched every episode with my mom, of course. And one of the early episodes was at the end of spring training when Brandon Belt was maybe the Giants' top prospect, certainly a very highly touted prospect, who had all of this pressure of kind of being the next Buster Posey in that Posey had just won Rookie of the Year and World Series. And, hey, what are you going to do, rookie? But it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he would make the team out of string train in 2011. And the Showtime cameras captured the conversation that Bruce Boche had with him, telling him he made it. It was actually around this time because I believe what they did. They always played the A's right before the season, as I talked about before. I believe what they did was they took him north to that series but hadn't made the decision yet. And then he told him, hey, you made it. And I believe Bell cried and Boach goes, hey, you want a beer? Like, take your time. <laughs> but that's the first time I remember being able to see that. And obviously that was a totally different era of social media. And that was actually just on a TV show. But I feel like that was the starting point for this, which now, I mean... I'm going to say it, and I hope teams are listening. 
any top prospect, I expect this now. Like, I expect that we will get these moments, and they're amazing. And not only are they cool for us to see, but it's a cool, like, moment for the player to have forever. Like, the player's going to be able to save that video to his phone, and in 20 years from now, go back and watch that moment. So it's great. It's great all around. I'm so glad that these exist, um, and I'm so excited for more throughout this season. And I'm so excited, even more excited, that we're done with our last preseason podcast. And when we come back next week, we can be in regular season. Games matter again. I'm so excited. Get me out of Arizona. Get me to Seattle. Let's do this. Let's let's start the season. So I'm very pleased to end this week's podcast because more is coming. More fun stuff is coming. Please don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.